Thyatira. There in verse 18 of chapter 2. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed. And them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you, I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. But hold, but that which you have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter. They shall be broken to shivers even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Like I said, this is the fourth letter to the churches. Now this city, I told you all of these are in eastern Turkey. What's eastern Turkey now? But this particular city was located in a valley. And it was had done a lot of trade in that city. and had unions, had unions in that city. But there was a famous convert from this place. And I'll tell you what, you keep Revelations too. And look in Acts chapter 16. Look in Acts chapter 16. There's a famous, maybe this was the one that the Lord used to start this congregation here. When as they met in her house. You know, he might have had and established this church. We don't know. But I do know this. But look what it said here in Acts 16 verse 12 Paul says here we come from Philippi which is chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony and we're in that city abiding certain days and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a river where prayer was wont to be made and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there and a certain woman named Lydia a seller of the city of Thyatira. See, that's where she was. She was a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So this woman was from this place, this particular church. So maybe the Lord used her to start start this congregation, the people meeting in her house. That's how they used to meet. They started out meeting in houses. And that's you can find that throughout the scriptures. And there was trade unions there. A lot of unions there. 
But our Lord describes this church himself. Our Lord describes this church. Look what he says about himself. Verse 18. And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write these things. Look how he describes himself. Saith the Son of God. He had never called himself yet that to anybody in this particular churches. But he called himself the Son of God. You tell him the Son of God saying this. The only begotten Son of God. The eternal Son of God. The eternal generated Son of God. Same nature of the Father. Equal with the Father. Same power as the Father. Same glory as the Father. One with the Father. He is the Son of God. And he said, I want you to know who this is. He said, these things saith the Son of God unto you. And that's what we say when we open the Bible. We say in the Son of God speaking to us. We say, thus saith the Lord. And he read John 17. He says, Father, I'm your Son. You sent me with a work to do. And I did your work. I finished your work. I accomplished that work. You had, I had glory with you before the world ever was. Now I want to go back and have that glory with you that I had before this world ever was. So that's who he says. The first thing he says about himself. And then look what else he says about himself. Every time, every one of these churches describes himself a different way. Who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass. Oh, eyes like unto a flame of fire. That means, beloved, they're piercing. They're piercing eyes. Penetrating eyes. Eyes that had perfect knowledge. It could see everything that was going on. He not only looks upon the heart, but he looks into the heart. You know, how many, you know, look what he says down here in verse 23. He says down here in verse 23. And he said, I am he which searched the reins and hearts. So our Lord Jesus Christ, he had piercing eyes, penetrating eyes. Eyes that looked right down deep into the hearts of man, looks into their hearts. And how many times did our Lord Jesus Christ in his life tell men what was in their hearts? Tell them exactly what said. You know, he was sitting to supper at Simon's house, and Simon thought within himself. He never opened his mouth, he just thought within himself. When Mary came in there, if this man was a prophet, he didn't know that she's a sinner. Our Lord said, Simon, i got something to say to you. He knew what he was thinking. He told the Pharisees one time who were thinking in their heart. And he exposed them and told them. And that's what he often does. And I've, and, and, and I've told you this for years and years and years. One of the greatest, greatest comforts of my heart is that God looks into my heart. The only thing I know about my heart is that I don't trust it. I know it will deceive me. I know sin's deceitful. My heart's deceitful. And that's why I'm grateful that God looks into my heart and knows it just what it is. I don't have to go off and hide, you know, and, and act like I, I'm doing something that God don't know. I may keep things from you, but I can't keep nothing from God. Huh? Ain't you thankful for that? I mean, right now, God's, we would not dare expose our hearts to one another. But we don't have to expose them to Him. He already knows. 
<laughs> oh my. And then look what it said. His feet like undefined brass. There's two things that feet are made to do with. They're made to walk. Made to walk. And also this to trample on something if you need to trample on something. Put something under your feet. Now I want to show you over looking Isaiah 52. Here's one blessed way his feet are used. Isaiah 52 and verse 7. This is one way his feet is used. Oh my. You know his feet are to walk and to trample. And he used his feet to do this. Isaiah 52 and verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. Oh, bringeth that gospel that publishes peace. That not only does he publish peace and bring good tidings, but brings good tidings of good. That publishes salvation. And listen to this. That saith unto Zion. Oh my, there's beautiful free say. Say unto Zion, say unto the Lord's people, Thy God reigneth. <laughs> he said, that's what he said. Here I brought the other, I'm bringing, I'm coming with good news. Not only good tidings, but good tidings of good. What is it, Lord? Thy God reigneth. <laughs> that's good news. <laughs> that's real good news. And I'll tell you one thing, when it talks about his feet like under brass, all of his enemies, one of these days, God himself said, I'll put your enemies under your feet. I'll trample you. He'll take his feet of brass and he'll trample his enemies under his feet. These brass feet that he's talking about here, they are the feet of the judge of all the earth. And beloved, one of these days, all enemies, all of his enemies will be put under his feet. And they'll all have to stand there. And our Lord Jesus, in fact, he says that he's going to take our feet and make our feet to stand on the head of the serpent one of these days. He's going to cause us to do that. But I tell you, will you imagine him putting people under his feet? You know, I'll tell you something else. He's putting people under his feet right now. He is putting people under his feet. They think they've got the answers. They think they know what's going on. They think they can tell you what you ought to do and what you ought not do. And I'll tell you what, but I'll tell you one thing. Everybody that's a Christ-hater and a God-rejecter and a Holy Ghost denier, Christ has already put them under his feet. Huh? And I tell you, you know, and when they get, they wake up in hell, and I don't want to say this in an awful way, but when they wake up in hell, they'll say, what in the world happened? What happened? What happened? You imagine a brass foot coming down on you. I mean a foot heavy. A foot powerful. And I tell you, his feet are so glorious that he can put all of his feet, all of his enemy under one foot if he chooses to do it that way. He can do that. And then look what he talks about. He, 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 he gives this church an honorable, honorable character. And he commends them. He commends them. He was no stranger to them. He was well acquainted with them and well acquainted with their actions. Look what he says. He said, I know your works. 
I know your works and look what he said in charity. I know everything you do. And when he talks about works, he's talking about works of faith. Works that faith that, that, and, and he's not talking about works that they do in order to be accepted of God. He's not, he never says that. Because it's him that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so he said, I know your works. I see them. I see your works. I see what you do in your home. I see what you do with your neighbors. I see what you do in the church. I see what you do on the job. I see you. And then he said, I see your charity. Oh my. You know, when it talks about charity, when the Bible talks about charity, it's talking about love. In Christ, when you read the book of 1 Corinthians 13, you'll find out that that has to be Christ. But yet at the same time, without charity, if you have no charity, then you have, don't have Christ. You cannot love Christ and know Christ and not have charity and not have love. His works what it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels... Oh, I'm telling you what, I got tongues to speak. Oh, I can tell I got languages to speak. And I can speak like an angel. And our Lord said, and have not charity. You know what you are? Somebody blowing an old horn and hitting a cymbal. And if I have the gift of all prophecy, I mean I can really preach. And I understand I can stand up and tell you all the mysteries of God's word. And have knowledge of all the scriptures. And I have enough faith to tell mountains to get out of my way. And I have not charity. He said, you know what you are? You're nothing. (laughs) I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Give my body to be burned at the stake and have not charity. It won't profit me a thing. And that's what our Lord said. I see your charity. I see your love. I see, I see that charity that you have. I see that love that you have. That love you have for me, that love you have for one another, that love you have for those that are even unconverted. I see that charity. And then look what else he said. I see your charity and I see your service. Why are you talking about service? You know, you go in a restaurant or go someplace where you need, you know where they serve you. He said, I see your service. I see how you serve people. You know, and, and go some places and the service is just outstanding. And other go in other places, you've got to get their attention before they'll do anything for you. But he said, I know your service. I know how you wait on one another. I know how you serve one another. I know how you minister to one another. I know how you serve one another and care for one another. And I tell you, he talks about also the ministers and preachers who labored in the word and in doctrine. Labored in it. And then look what he says. He said now, and I know your faith. (laughs) You know, there's two things. If you don't have charity, you don't have Christ. And if you don't have faith, and without charity, there is no no Christ. And I tell you, their faith, which with charity and no works, no service. And you know the Scriptures tells us that our faith, you know how faith works? It works by love. It works by love. That's how our faith works. It works by love. Faith in Christ. Faith in His Word. And then He says, I know your patience. Oh, He's commending this church. 
I know your patience. I know your patience. And I do know this. You know, one thing that the scripture says, you know, about patience worketh experience. What does that mean? That means that whatever you're going through in this life, you wait on the Lord. You wait on Christ. You wait on God. And we're, you know, in this patience, is that patience, what it is, is as you're going through a trial, while you're going through a burden, while you're going through tribulation, you just wait, and you wait, and you wait, and then God comes. And you wait on the Lord. You wait for Him to do and lift that burden. And I know this, that patience, if a man or a woman lives for the Lord Jesus Christ and loves people, and serves people, their patience will be sorely, sorely tried. Sorely tried. Uh, you know, patience, oh, patience. I've said it before. Our Lord said, in, in your patience, possess you your souls. I tell you, it takes some patience to live in this world right now. It takes some patience. It takes some patience to live with some people. It takes some patience to endure what goes on with people and how they treat you sometimes. It takes patience. Not to want to retaliate. No, it takes patience. And I tell you, we need bearing patience to endure to endure, beloved, what people, how they treat us and how they act towards us. We need able, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then we need waiting patience. Paul said it like this. After you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. Just wait patiently. Just wait patiently. You know, Larry waited 79 years. Henry waited 92. He started praying for the Lord to take him home way back in the late 70s. He had to wait 10, 12, 14 years. Cry every day, Lord, take me home. Let me go tonight. Let me go tonight. But he had to wait. And we're waiting. <laughs> you got to have patience. we got to have patience. Oh, he that's coming, he'll come. Just wait. He'll be here. Just wait on it. He's coming. Huh? And then look what he said about him. And the last to be better, to, the last to be more than the first. And what is he saying here? What he said about him at the first, he said at the last they were even better than they were at the first. He said they were growing more fruitful more loving, more faithful. Others left their first love. Others lost their first zeal. But these here grew stronger and stronger and more fruitful. He says, your last is better than your first. So what you was when I start talking about you, you're better than that. You're more stronger. You're growing more fruitful. Growing more fruitful. Then he gave them a faithful, faithful reproof. Look there in verse 20. He said, notwithstanding all of the things that I've said about you. All the things that I've said about you. He never talked about charity and service and faith to the other places. But he talked about it here. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you. Because you allow, you put up with that woman Jezebel 
which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Thou sufferest to allow Jezebel. Jezebel is synonymous with a lot of things. Back years and years ago, you know, people see somebody, they called it women painting themselves up. <laughs> I don't know if you all ever remember that. But I mean, you know, I, I, I just remember getting it out of books. <laughs> Reading books and stuff. But they say women paint themselves up. You know, and they say, boy, she looks like a Jezebel. You know, especially church people say, boy, she's a Jezebel. She is a Jezebel. But I tell you what, that's, that's not, a, you know, how self-righteous is that to say that? But I, but I mean, that's the, way, that's the way human nature is. If you're not like them, you've got to find something to fault with. But I'll tell you what, she said, you know, you suffer that woman Jezebel. And Jezebel, when you look at her in the Old Testament, several things about Jezebel. First of all, she was wicked, wicked, wicked queen. Oh, she was a queen. And she was the one that had the 450 false prophets of Baal. And supported them false prophets of Baal and fed them false prophets of Baal. One time her husband Ahab the king he was just worrying himself to death and getting pining away because a man owned a vineyard that he wanted. And that man's name was Naboth. Well Jezebel said go over there and kill Naboth. And when he was killed she went to her husband and she said listen I got that field of Naboth for you. Oh he just throwed up his hands and went to shouting. Just rejoicing. Oh I'm so glad I got it. I'm so glad I got that. She went and killed for it. So she was synonymous with idolatry. Synonymous with people that hate Christ. Oh they hated God. She had them false prophets. And they were hated. She hated Elijah. She said, when I find Elijah, I'm going to kill him. I want him dead. And she sent people looking for him. Looking for him. And he told a man one time, he says, you go tell Ahab and I'll be up there tomorrow. Oh no, I'm not going to tell Ahab nothing. If I go up there and mention your name, he'll kill me. That's how much they hated Ahab. Elijah. And I tell you, she was a seducer. She hated God. She hated Christ. And she loved false prophets. Had 450 of them. And called herself a prophetess herself. Claimed God's name. Said, I know some things about God. But you know, it said down there about talking about the depths of Satan. This is what the depths of Satan were about. These seducers. Look what it says there. In, in, in verse 20 said which calls herself a prophet to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols oh to t- teach period and they seduced them seduced them you know evil men shall wax worse and worse seducing and t- seducing people and I tell you, they had a, and these people, they used Satan. These worshipers of Satan. They had, they knew the depths of Satan. And in order for you to understand Satan, you had to know Satan. 
Before you could ever conquer sin, you had to become a sinner and not and, and acquainted with it by experience. And that that was called the deep things of Satan. And oh my, they're telling these people, said you'll be a better Christian if you'll be like this and you'll be like that. And taught them to commit fornication. Now, every time you find this committing fornication in the scriptures, other than in the gospels, it's talking about worshiping idols. Spiritual fornication is what he's talking about here. He's not talking about a man with a woman. He's not talking about that. He's talking about fornication, worshiping idols, teaching my people to turn from the living God and teach them to turn from Him and turn over to idols. And eat things sacrificed to idols. Would you know if you was... Let me ask you a question. If you went somewhere and they had a great big meal... And you sit down to that meal, and somebody stood up and prayed to some, stood in front of some idol, and prayed to that idol, and said, we just offered that, this food to this idol here. Would you take a bite of that food? You couldn't do it, not with an honest conscience, you couldn't do it. You'd have to say, well, listen, that's an idol to me. That's an idol to me. I'm not going to eat food that's offered to an idol. I'm not going to... You, you, if you had to say anything about it, we'd sit down to your knee. But since you offered it to an idol, you mentioned that devil? Since you mentioned that idol? Since you mentioned that statue? Since you mentioned that person? That I, No, I'm not going to eat it. And then look what he says here now. In verse 21, They even hardened themselves against God. And he said, I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she didn't repent. Oh my, gave him a time, gave him a space. And look what it says. And she repented not. She repented not. Now I'm not going to go into what repentance is. But I, you know, I hear some people say repentance is turning from sin. Turning from your sin, turning to God. Repentance, I do know this, that it's a dramatic change in a person's attitude. A dramatic change in their way they think. That's what repentance is. Repentance is a change in your mind, in your heart, concerning everything that you ever believed before. You know, I repented not only of my sin... But I repented of my thoughts. I repented of my works. I repent. And once you start repenting, you never stop repenting. It's a state of mind just like believing is. And we changed our minds about God. That, you know, we heard that song out there at the graveyard today. And we sang that song years and years ago. But here's the thing about it. We, we've repented of that. We've changed to that. We've turned from that. And my mind's changed about God, changed about what sin is. Sin's not something you do, sin's what you are. And if you quit being who you are, you can quit sinning. But if you can't quit being who you are, you can't quit sinning. And if you had faith, if your faith was as strong as it ought to be, you ought to believe perfectly. But you know what we have to do, Lord? Uh, Lord, if you said, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of what I am. Forgive me for what I am. Not what I do, for what I 
down. If I could quit sinning, don't you think I would? Feller told Walter Gruber one time, said, Boy, if I believe what you do, I'd sin all I wanted to. And Walter said, I'll sin more than I want to. <laughs> and we do, don't we? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. And that's what he says, and repentance is necessary. But she didn't repent. And he gave her a space of time. And Esau sought repentance with tears. And there was found no place of repentance for him. And beloved repentance. Is, and he said I'll give you a space of time for this repentance. And I, you know, and Henry's got a message. Maybe you can look it up. Is, is, does God got a time limit? Does he have a, does he have a, a, a space of time that he uses? And you know, he gives you, is there, a, is there a, a time when God starts and then when God leaves you? And I, you know, it was a very unusual message and very good. Very good. I don't remember what exactly what it is. But where God gives space for repentance, He expects somebody to repent. He said, Jezebel, repent. Turn from your fornication. Turn from your hatred of God. Turn to me. Turn to Christ. Turn to faith. Turn. She said, I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to give up my position. I'm not going to give up my, my nature. I'm not going to give up who I am and what I do. I'm not going to give it up. And I talked to a lot of my family before they died. A lot of my aunts and uncles. Talked to them before they died. And I talked to them about their soul. One of them told me, I'm too proud. I ain't fixing to pray now. My uncle said, I've lived too long. I'm satisfied with what I've done and how I've lived. But oh my, he gives a person a space of time for repentance. And if a person doesn't repent and turn, there's nothing left but destruction. And look what he says to her right here. And that's what he says. He said in verse 22, Behold, you know what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to cast you into a bed. You like fornication? You like to spiritual adultery? I'm going to throw you in a bed. You commit all the spiritual adultery you want to. And them that commit adultery with her. I'm going to throw them into great, great, great trouble. Oh, I'm going to bring... And, and, and I'm going to throw them... And except they repent of their deeds. He said, I'm going to throw her into a bed, a bed of pain, a bed of agony, a bed of sorrow, a bed of anguish. They they won't know anything about pleasure anymore. I'll put them in a bed of flames. And all of them who served her and sinned with her, they're going to suffer with her. They're going to suffer with her. And then look what he says. He said, look what he says down there in verse 23. Now this ain't, this ain't the God of love that people's talking about now, nowadays. It's not that Jesus, you know, that they're talking about loving everybody. Look what he said. And I'm going to kill her children with death. Every child she produced. Every child she produced. Every child she made like herself. He said, I'm going to kill them. What are you going to kill them with? I'm going to kill them with death. What death is he talking about? The second death. That there's dead in trespass sin. He said, I'm going to give them the second death. 
I'm going to kill them. I'm going to absolutely. There are strange children begotten of strange doctrine. And they'll effectually be deserted. Look at, you know, over here in, in Jude. Turn back two pages and you're in Jude. Look what it says here. I'll kill her children with death. Boy, that don't hardly sound good. Look what she said down here in verse 7 now. Jude verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, and set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And that's what God said to her. That she produced strange children, and I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them with death. And then look what he says there again after he said, I'm going to kill all the children. And I oh listen to what he says here now. And all the churches shall know that I am he, I'm the one, I am. We search the reins. What's the reins? The reins is what turns you, motivates you, go this way, that way, another way. He said, I'm the one that searches the reins and the hearts. Everybody's going to know that. And I'll give unto every one of you according to your works. According to your works. And I tell you what, our Lord has infallible knowledge. He said, I'll not only save, but I'll also destroy. I'm not only a Savior, but I'm also a judge. And our Lord has infallible knowledge of the hearts, the principles, their temper, their formality, the indifference, and all the secret things. And he's impartial in justice, give unto everyone according to the works. But then he gives them great, great encouragement here in verse 24. Look at this encouragement he gives them. But I say unto, but unto you, I say, the ones he started talking about at the beginning, unto you, I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, to the angel and all the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, this doctrine of Jezebel, this doctrine of idolatry and sacrificing to idols, as many as have not this doctrine, and if which not when which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, those who speak and talk, and know the depths of Satan, as they speak, listen to this now. I'm not going to put any more burden upon you. I'm not going to burden you with this stuff anymore. You're not going to carry that burden. Oh, no. Don't hold this doctrine. You don't know the depths of Satan, the deep things that's used to seduce. And our Lord says, you know, He's sending them strong delusion to believe and die and be damned. It's like that witch of Endor. Saul was told Samuel, said, you know, Samuel come up and said, bring that witch up here. And oh, my goodness, he couldn't believe it. You think Satan can't produce something? He said he brings signs and lying wonders. I'll tell you a lying wonder he has. I'll tell you two of them. First of all, he lies about who God is. He did that in Genesis. He lied about the justice of God. Oh, God won't kill you. You won't die. God's not just God. He's a loving God. And then he lied about the Word of God. 
he said, Yea, hath God said? Did, is that really, did God really say that? You reckon he meant what he said? And then he lies about Christ. Oh my. I tell you, he's, he's a liar and the father of it. And he said, I'll put up not before you know no other burden. But oh, listen, I love this, what he says here in verse 25. I've got to hurry. But that which you have, that which you have already, what you've got already, hold fast till I come. <laughs> he said, I'm not giving you no new laws. I'm not going to give you no new mysteries to learn. Just hold fast to what you know. What you already have. Hold fast to it. For what you know. Hold fast. You wait till I come. And I'll let and I'll send no more burdens upon you. I'll send you no more temptations. No more trials. No more burdens. Oh, just hold fast. I tell you what, hold fast to Christ. Hold fast to the gospel of Christ. Stay true to it. Hold fast to it. And then he says in verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works. You see, there, there you go. And keepeth my works. The works that I've done. The works that I've accomplished. Unto the end. Unto the end of what? Unto the end of your life or until Christ comes. To him will I give power over the nations. Now wait a minute. It overcomes and keeps my work. Just how we overcome. By keeping his work. Believing his work. And he says you give me power over nations. You know something what we do? By his grace we have power over nations now. And he said in 1 Corinthians 6.2. You all look at this when you get home. I believe I can remember it right. He says that he shall use the saints to judge the world. He's going to use us to judge the world. How's he going to do that? He's going to point at us and say, they, they believed me and you didn't. All he's going to do is say, this is what grace did. This is what faith is. This is what commitment is. This is what true doctrine is. And he said, we'll all, he'll point to us and then the whole world be condemned by just our sight. Huh? And then in verse 27, this is Christ. You can find this in Psalm 2. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken. He'll take that rod of iron, start breaking, breaking them pots, breaking them, break them to what? To shivers, little bitty tiny pieces, even as I received of my father. And I'll tell you something else he's going to give us. I'm going to give him the morning star. <laughs> you know, a star in the scriptures is it's a, it's a, a, a symbol of royalty. You know, it, it talked about Shiloh. A star should arise out of Shiloh. And the night that Christ was born, there was a great star over where Christ was born. And they come to that star. So it's a symbol of royalty. And then the morning star, he brings day with him into the soul. And he brings that morning star of light and grace and glory. In verse 29, he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Me and Paul Wamsley and Todd were going to a marathon one time years ago. 
we left real early in the morning. It's coming daylight. But in that morning, there was a morning star up there. The morning star was up. And I pointed at it. I said, there's that morning star. I said, you know what that tells us? It tells us that's Christ. I said, that morning star. See that morning star coming up? <laughs> and oh boy. When that morning star, when he arises, he brings light with him. And he brings it into our souls. Brings a new day. Brings grace and brings glory. Our Father, thank you for meeting with us today. You're so gracious. You're so kind. You're so patient with us. And I thank you. You're so patient with me. And I thank you that you are. I thank you that you're so full of grace and abundance of grace. Thank you for the sprinkling of the blood of Christ and His obedience. Thank you for His righteousness. And I thank you for the saints of God here today. God bless those that are listening, those who are watching, who would love to be with us but can't. We pray for Lola, Faye, Gerald, Ted, grandchildren, sons and daughters. Again, we pray for them. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the children of God. Keep the saints of God as they travel. Keep them safe. Protect them. Put a watch and a hedge around their lives and their homes. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. That's what I like about it. All right, we'll see you Wednesday, God willing. Good night.